0: Then, every time I sing this song, I don't know what happens to me. But I can't avoid the feeling that someday I will have to exchange. song, it reminds me that I'm not here forever. It reminds me that I'm just passing through. It reminds me that someday this life is going to come to an end. And it reminds me that one day I'll stand before the Lord. What remains for me, he says, is that there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. to the Word today, I just want to tell you that us believing in Christ is not a waste of time. Amen. Sometimes I know we look foolish but it's not a waste of time. One day surely, all this that we see is going to come to an end. Maybe the rapture have to die but one day there's going to be an exchange and i want you to know this is not a waste of time i know sometimes we get caught up with everything else that that is going on around us and because we're human beings we do get affected but that's not the end of the story One day there's going to be an exchange and I want you to be there. Amen. You have to make a decision and say, no matter what happens in my life, one day I want to stand before the Lord and exchange this claim to the cross with the crown of righteousness. Amen. Whether, whether you're going to get there in be but God exchange it with the crown of righteousness. Whether you be crawling into heaven, but make it a decision and say, I'll exchange it with a crown of righteousness. Whether you're going to go there without one arm, without one leg, but whatever it takes, make a decision and say, I'm going to exchange it with a crown of righteousness. I repeat once again, this Christian stuff that we do is not a waste of time. As for me, I've made that decision. So this morning I want to talk about the power of the old ragged cross. The power of the old ragged cross. And I think you will understand why my heart is always broken whenever I sing this song. The power of the old cross. I want to begin by saying that when you look at the cross, the cross, I think there's nothing more central to our faith and not just any faith but our christian faith there is nothing more central to our christian faith than the cross right at the center of our walk with god is the cross the cross is central to who we are but also to what we are to the world the thing that separates us from the world is the cross and you will see how this cross is so foolish to other people And yet those of us who believe, we believe that it is the power of God. Amen. I can't can't stop to marvel that somebody thinks this is the utmost symbol of foolishness. And then on the other hand, somebody believes this is the utmost symbol of the power of God. And one reason why other people never come to Christ is because they consider the cross to be the utmost symbol of foolishness. And when you look at the Christian faith again, you actually realize that if there is a symbol that is so synonymous with Christianity, it's the cross. I know sometimes people put a symbol of a fish and he said I'll make you fish as a man, but I think it does for a lot of times for disciples. But but for some of those, just if they just wear a cross, immediately you think uh ah, he's a Christian. Where, whether they are carnal Christian or nominal Christian or Christian Christian, All of them it. But it's something that transformed the cross because it used not to be so. And the thing that transformed the cross is the death of Christ. It had to take the suffering of Christ, it had to take the death of Christ to transform the cross to what you and I identify with. The cross used to be an instrument for executing people. I know in today's world, sometimes people are given an injection and then they die slowly. Some years back in Malawi, there used to be what was called the death sentence, and you had to be hanged in the gallows. But for the Phoenicians and then the Greeks and then the Romans who actually worked on it very, very well to become what it became, it was a symbol, it was an instrument for executing a person to death, and at that point it never was a symbol for Christianity. And Jesus transformed it. He just came and transformed it. From what it used to be. To what it is now. Let's go to the book of John chapter 19. In John chapter 19. Verse 17. The Bible says in the New King James Version it says the king on a cross and he bearing his cross went out to a place called the place of the skull which is called in Hebrew Gorogotha where they crucified him and two others with him one on either side and Jesus in the center. So, when you go to the book of Luke, which we are going to go to, you're going to be surprised what is happening there. But I want you to know that Jesus was in the center. Until Jesus is in the center of your life, Chances are very high that you just miss it completely. He is right in the center. And that statement there means quite a lot because it's a statement that has separated two groups of people. Right in the middle is Jesus in the center. On one side, are people who are saying this is foolishness. And on the other side are people who are saying this is the power of God. So there was something that God was doing by like making sure that Jesus was in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth King the King of the Jews. And there's a reason why Pilate is doing that. He's not just doing it because he's foolish. He's not doing it because he wants to acknowledge that Jesus is the king of, of the Jews. But actually it's a warning. You dare try to do what this man was doing? This is how you're going to end. And there's a reason why Pilate is saying Jesus of Nazareth. Because can anything good come out of Nazareth? This young man who, who we all knew as the son of Mary, the son of Joseph the carpenter, one day he just rose up and started saying, I am God. And see how he has ended so it was a warning to say, you try any time to do this. This is how exactly you're going to end. And as you see that that title, as we continue reading, was put in three languages. So it was in Hebrew, it was in Greek, and it was in Latin. Because at that time, those were the three main languages. And they wanted to make very sure that everybody gets a message. Verse 20. Then many of the Jews read this title. So to the Romans, it was just another execution that was taking place. But the Jews who were reading it, they got the message. They got the message. As you see, as we carry on. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Possibly something was happening in the life of Pilate. But the reason why it's being written like that, it's, it's for everyone to note and to keep it in mind what had just happened on that day. But the Bible tells, begin in verse 17, it says, and he bearing his cross. He bearing his cross. Took that cross and went to a place where he had to be crucified. The place of a scar called Gopher in Hebrew and I would like to say that yes along the way there is a man called Simon of Cyrene or Cyrene or whatever who is told help the guy carrying the cross so he helps Jesus carry the cross but The cross is Christ and I want to say a few things quickly number one you in life will have to carry your own cross hallelujah you will have to carry your own cross there may be the Simon of Cyrene who will come in and help you but you have to carry your own cross People who give up on their walk with God. They don't give up on their walk with God. With a group of people. It's always a personal decision. Hallelujah. But God always makes it a point. That there should be other people along the way. Who are going to hold your hand. But your life is your life. Hallelujah. Your life is your life. We may encourage you, we may tell you, brother, keep on going, keep on keeping on, sister, keep on keeping on. But you need to make a decision and say, I am going to keep on keeping on whilst carrying this cross. So Jesus carries the cross and when Jesus is carrying the cross, he is not carrying it as something else that is nice. He is carrying it as an instrument of death. And in our walk with god we have to die to the world i I shared that over the past four weeks now before last week you have to come to the point whereby you die to the world and cling to the cross and say nothing else but the cross hallelujah so the Bible tells us that he is taking it. Why is Christ carrying the cross? Because that's a price he has to pay for what he was called to do. Anything that God has called you to do on planet earth there will be a price to pay. Hallelujah. You don't just become. There is always a price to pay. If you Whosoever you're going to become in life. There is a price. Unfortunately, we do not understand why we are going through what we are going through in life. But you know, there is no wasted experience and no wasted opportunity and no wasted thing that happens in our life that God doesn't have a purpose for. As long as you're a child of God. Mm -hmm. And it's always not easy. Hallelujah. So to Jesus, when he is carrying this symbol of death, this instrument of death, he is carrying it not because it's an afterthought. He is not carrying it because it's a surprise. He actually knew, I am going to die and I'm going to die through death on the cross. Remember the other Sunday I was sharing that the devil comes up and says, you know what Jesus, it's going to really look very cool. All we have to do is just Jump and do a stunt and then go and then land on your feet, and everybody will begin worshiping you. And Jesus says, You have not come," because He knew the people will worship Him, but the way to worship Him had to be through the cross. Hallelujah. In John chapter 3 14 to 15, the Bible says, And As Moses, this is Christ, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Everlasting life. So i want to say what i said at the beginning we are not here forever trillion years from now all of us in this room will still be alive and and it's hard for you to understand trillion years from now when you have lived for 20 years and you think it's a long When you hear that somebody has died at the age of 109, and you look at them, you say, This is old, old, old. He is very old. So we cannot understand it. But I also want you to understand that in those days, people were living for 969 years. Hallelujah. Amen. So the fact that people are dying at the age of 105, 99, 60 whatever don't think that we will not be able to live for a thousand years we can live for zillion years we will be alive hallelujah Amen. but we're not going to be wearing this body this mortal body will be gone the body we will wear will be an everlasting body the body that does no corruption a body that knows no malaria or diarrhea, a body that is just fine. We will be unhappy. Hallelujah. Amen. So Jesus continues in John chapter 12, verse 32, 33, he says, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself would draw all peoples to myself. The one speaking Hebrew, the one speaking Greek, the one speaking Latin, the one speaking Tonga, the one speaking Yao, the one speaking Chewa, the one speaking Tumuga, the one speaking Sena, the one speaking English. I will draw all of them to myself. But then if, when you read in verse 33, the Bible says, this he said signifying by what death he would die. says if I am lifted up from the earth there will be a day when I will be lifted up from the earth and through that lifting up from the earth I am going to drop all the people to myself. So he knew that he was going to be lifted up. He knew that he was going to drop all the people to himself. And he knew that that is going to happen through the most powerful and intimidating way of killing people in those days. The cross. So when they laid him on the cross, they were literally, literally, literally making a statement to the disciples. You've been following him all this time, and you've been saying you're his disciples. And he told you that he has called you to be fishers of men. And he told you that he's going to send you to the rest of the world. And you did all whatever you did. But we want to warn you. The way your master has died. That's exactly the way you are going to die. If you dare. Take this message he has been preaching. And carry it across. We will see. Warning number one to the disciples. Apart from the warning. They are telling them. This master of yours, you can see the way we have publicly humiliated him, and you will suffer humiliation that you have never seen. Now, now I want you to imagine: he, your master has died the way he has died, and you've been warned that that's how you're going to die. And then, t- secondly, you've been told you're going to be humiliated. If you think your master has been slain naked, we will see, because because truth be told, if there is a way you can humiliate a person, it's just to to make them become naked. Those things were happening, I think there was an incident that happened in Blanty not long ago, whereby some crazy people, and dressed a woman on the street. I have forgotten what it was about. The reason why they undressed her was to humiliate her. If if somebody wants to humiliate you, that's what they're going to do. And this is the reason why. Sorry, but but master passed my But this is the reason why. When we talk to young people, and even when we talk to you older people. And say, for the young people, please keep yourself. Uh, One of the sisters in Blanta was sharing about one of the elder brothers who has gone on to be be with the Lord. So she put it on my Facebook page and says that uh, one day, I think the younger sister was about 12. I don't know how old she was. So the brother called them and said, like, okay, come over to the dining room. So they came to the dining room and says, I want us to talk about sex. So, the first thing he says to them, he says, sex is good. Repeat what I've said. So, the older sister says it, but the younger sister is struggling to say it. He says, I say say that sex is good. So, the younger sister is struggling. He says, okay, if you think you're not going to say what I'm telling you to say, you're going to get out of this job And you'll be running around the house shouting, sex (laughs) is good. Unfortunately, the dad was fixing a car outside. So this young lady could not imagine getting out of the door of the house and running around the house shouting, sex is good, dad is fixing a car. Mm -hmm. So the young girl just said it. And then he started telling them and telling them say like, I'm telling you these things for you to understand that it is good, but it has got its own place. Anywhere else outside the place where God has put it is going to bring pain in your life. So to the young people in this church I want to say this thing. Sex is good. All the young people in church say, <laughs> <laughs> you run around the church, shouting." <laughs> But it has got its own place. The reason why we said don't do it is because we know if you do it, that young man and that young woman will begin telling people how you look when you're naked. When the last time your parents saw you naked, when the last time your brothers or your sisters saw you naked. It was a long time ago. They can't even remember. And then some other young man or some other young girl should be walking around telling people about your history And the kind of color of the underwear that you were wearing on that day. And then the boys begin to look at you and you know exactly, they can Im- imagine about the color of the underwear you were wearing. What kind of humiliation? And yet, if you do it in its right place, nobody is going to go around telling people about how your underwear looks like. Mm-hmm. The same thing with people who are married. When you're married, you can actually become a slave to a 16 year old girl. Mm-hmm. That she can call you and say, John, I'm saying, come now. <laughs> <laughs> And you appear when, when your wife actually doesn't stop a long time ago calling you John. At least your wife maybe calls you honey or sweetheart or Baba John or Baba James. And this young girl picks up a call and goes, John, I'm saying you appear now. And you appear, if you don't come now, I'm going to disclose to the world what you've been wearing. <laughs> And sometimes, unknowingly to you, because you're thinking life is good, she's busy taking pictures. And you are a slave. The world respects you, but there's one young girl who just knows I'm going to embarrass you. I've seen people doing crazy things. It doesn't matter what position you hold in society. So when the reason why God put it in there was for a reason. That you should not suffer humiliation. Hallelujah. So Jesus is laid naked on the cross and they're humiliating. And they're telling the disciples, you are going to be humiliated. You have seen your master naked and you will be naked. And it was tough for the disciples to be going around telling people that their master and their savior was harmed. But it's amazing today people wear the cross. Because Jesus took away the shame an emblem of suffering an emblem of suffering and shame. Jesus took away the shame. Jesus took away the suffering. And you and like I to take and wear the cross. First Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being served it is the power of God. Hallelujah. Now, people wear two types of the cross. If you check, you're going to see people wearing Others wear a cross with Jesus on it. And then others wear a cross without Jesus on it. But both types of cross that people wear, they have a message. Message number one. It's a message of the suffering of Christ for our salvation. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9.22 that without the sharing of blood there is no remission of sins so he shared his blood for the remission of our sins in 2nd Corinthians 5 21 the Bible says he was made sin for us so that we can be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 and first Corinthians six twenty, the Bible says he paid the price for our salvation once and for all. Hallelujah. He paid the price of our salvation once and for all. all. So on the cross Jesus died. So others wear the cross to remember the suffering of Christ and then there are also others wear the cross to demonstrate the victory of Christ over sin and death and over sin and certain. The only thing is that the victory of the cross, the victory that Christ wrought on the cross was understood after his resurrection. But when he was going through it nobody understood it. I want us to go to 1st Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 12. There is something very interesting there, First Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 12. The Bible says, if you are there, say amen. Amen. Then you promise that you'll be saying amen to them. Amen. You're there, up there. You there <laughs> Last time he says, and so now I understand why Pastor said amen. People say amen. So he said, ah, From now I've changed. So at least I've got one disciple. He said, he <laughs> Amen. 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 So in verse 12, the Bible says, There isn't Christ our hope. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. So you see, the end of life is not death. The dead do rise. Hallelujah. Let's carry on verse 16. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. 17. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. So it says then it means that those who have died, whilst they were in Christ, they have perished. Down, mm-hmm. So he's trying them, telling, them, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then those ones who have died, whom you are keeping hope and say, we will meet one day in glory round, by, singing by and by. It's, you are wasting your time, because then they have died, and there is no hope, and they have just perished, and you never see them again. And he says, if Christ is not risen, hallelujah, Verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. So it says if if Christ is not risen and the only hope we have is Christ, and He is not risen, we are not just the future. Our faith is not just the future, but actually in the fact Home faith is just one needy to go to love us the most pitiable people on planet earth. But he says all these things I want to assure you he is risen. So I want to say that if Christ had not resurrected what would have happened was that the cross would have defeated him and therefore the cross to this day would have been an intimidating force. Hallelujah. have been so intimidating to this day but the Bible is clear that he rose from the dead and when he rose from the dead the cross was conquered death was conquered and when he rose from the dead I want you to understand that to this day he is no longer on the cross he is no longer suffering from our sins he suffered once and for all and the bible is clear that he is alive forever more and more and one day we'll see him face to face. that will be the day when we'll be exchanging the claim of the cross with the crown of righteousness Amen. one day hallelujah Amen. The cross today does not have Jesus on it. It doesn't have. He is risen. He is no longer in the grave. He is no longer suffering. He is no longer being crucified. He is no longer dying. The Bible is clear. He is alive. He has got power. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Interceding for you and me. To say, carry on brother. Carry on sister. I went through the very same thing you can make it because I made it you can make it because he lives we can face tomorrow why because he lives if Christ was dead we wouldn't be able to face tomorrow Amen. you know there's times when you you just want to be in the house and go nowhere because you just feel like the whole world is up in arms against you But you're still able to get some little bit of energy and strength and walk out of the door. I've been bereaved before. When my mom died, I I was not ready to go out of the door again. It just looked like there's nothing. There's, There's nothing anymore meaningful in life. Everything is meaningless. And when you have gone through the humiliation in life, sometimes You do not even have got the energy and the power to be able to rise up and go out. But somehow, somehow, you are still able to come up and go out. And you realize the only hope, the only reason I am able to stand up and go out of the door is because of the risen Christ and nothing else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The cross is empty. The grave is empty. Jesus is alive. I went to the garden tomb. In Jerusalem one day. At a place where they believe. This is where Christ was buried. When you go into there. And you read the scripture. It makes a lot of sense. And that grave is empty. Hallelujah. So all of a sudden. God had to take the. Instrument of death. And transform it to become the instrument of life. And that's why I said we sing. I will cling to this old rugged cross. Because it's no longer an instrument of death. Now the cross has become the instrument of life. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 18 I read it says. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being served, I've added those of us. But to us who are being served, it is the power of God. Let's go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. In Luke chapter 23, and I'll begin verse 40, 39. And I'll read all the way to verse 42. Luke chapter 23, I'll read verse 39 to verse 42. The Bible says, uh, so when you begin, uh, verse 26, it talks about the king of the cross, and then they are talking about Simon the Cyrene. But then in verse 36, the soldiers are mocking him, and coming and offering him, star wine, and they are saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself and then the inscription you read about that in verse 38 and, and it's saying this is the king of the Jews in verse 39 then it says Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying If you are the Christ, save yourself and serve us. He too is going through similar kind of death. He is also being hanged on his own cross. But somehow, in spite of the pain they are inflicting on him, in spite of the humiliation they are inflicting on him, in spite of the embarrassment that they are inflicting on him, somewhere he still has got some a little bit of energy to blaspheme against the God. And there are people like that. There are people like that. The things are not working in their life. They are the symbol of shame. And you're trying to tell them about Christ. And they look at you and almost spitting splitting into your eyes. I, I get amazed with one thing. I'll tell you something that amazes me. So I, I meet somebody else. Maybe I meet Brother Namsun. And then Brother Namsun is trying to introduce me to someone else who has never met me before. And he says, uh, this is Pastor McDuff. You look at the, the face and the way they are despising you that you are a pastor. It happens to me all the time. But then all of a sudden, they begin to wonder when I, they see me trying to articulate some of the concepts in life, and they begin to say, "No, it looks like he's not." Now, remember the other day I told you that people judge you based on the car you drive. Mm-hmm. So then later on, they see you walk into a car, and you are driving, and even with that, they despise the same dramas. <laughs> That's the story. But, but I get amazed how people, how people in general despise pastors. And, and this guy is there, he is dying, he is humiliated, but he is able to speak to the Lord and he says, If you are the Christ, save yourself and save us. Verse 40. But the answer, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God? Seeing you are under the same condemnation. And we in need justly. For we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus. Lord remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him. Assuredly I say to you. Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus at the center. Jesus is right in the center, the thieves on one side, he is perishing, both thieves, both criminals are perishing and one of them is considering the death of Christ on the cross, foolishness, and he has the audacity of saying, if you have the cross, save yourself and save us. Why? Because he This is foolishness. The other criminal says can't you can't you fear God? See that you and I and him are under the same condemnation. But the truth is that we have been condemned for something wrong that we have done. And this man has done absolutely nothing wrong. And he turns to Christ He says, I understand right here on the cross that we are on the same. We are on the cross. I am on the cross. But yours is different than mine. Yours represents the power of God. Lord, remember me. When you come into paradise. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said assuredly I send it to you. Today. Not tomorrow. Not next year. Not the other day. But today you will be with me in paradise. And that is the story today. There are people who consider the message of the cross foolishness. There are people who consider the message of the cross the power of God. If you divide humanity, you divide them in those two groups. Those who consider the cross foolishness and those who consider the cross the power of God. Those who accept it and see the cross as the power of God and those who reject it as foolishness. One of the reasons why people don't want to come to Christ is because they consider this foolishness. And I want you to know, there are people, we are both, and you see them in life, there are people who will never, and I want you to take note of that word, never. There are people who will never, in their lifetime, see the light in the preaching of the good news. See the light in the preaching of the gospel. Because their minds have become their God. There are people... Who their wisdom has become their God. I was speaking to one of our young ladies here in churches in school in India. So I was checking on her yesterday. How are you doing? How's everything going? And, uh, and she said, you know what, Pastor? I knew that anywhere I go in life, the KICC family will go with me. And I just want to thank you so much, Pastor Ladd. You can be shaking on me even though I am me. Yeah. Then she said something. So we started talking and saw how it's school, how is food. He said, hey, food, the people here, they, they love chapati. And a lot of them are vegetarians, they don't eat meat. The majority don't eat meat. So it's really, really hard. And I said, why? Says like, oh, because they consider the cow to be God. So, actually, there are a lot of cows that just walk. And you look at them, some of them really, really make nice beef. <laughs> <That's an example. laughs> Pastor, they could make nice beef. So, I think when I come home for holidays, I'll buy some teen beef. Because now we are trying to negotiate with the investor that at least they should be giving us a little bit of beef. But then, them eating beef, they'll be eating somebody's God. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So I said, Where do you go to church? He says, oh, no, oh, oh, those of us who are Africans on campus, we just started meeting on campus for church. Because even if we have to go out and go to a, the Christian the church where it's Christian, they speak Hindi. So we'll not hear anything. So we do church on campus. And I said, Do you now realize the importance of knowing God for yourself, even from a very young age? He says, now, pastor, I understand. Hallelujah. And for them, they will continue rejecting the cross as foolishness. There are people who knowledge is their God. They are super knowledgeable. They are super wise. There are people who money is their God. There are people who fame is their God. There are people who achievement is their God. And there are people who beauty is their God. There are some some men who are not just handsome, they are beautiful. And it has become their God. And there are some women who are beautiful. And it become their God. And, and, and for such kind of people, once it becomes your God, the cross is foolishness. Amen. Even your education can become your God and the cross can be foolishness. Amen. Because he is a pastor who is just a pastor. So thank God at least these pastors got a master's degree. But there are other pastors who have no degree. Who are, who, he, their, their last qualification was JC yes, mm. or form 4 and they surrender to the cross and God is using them mightily and, and they meet somebody like me who has got a, a master's degree and, and you think what can you tell me
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you know calculus <laughs> 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 A times A, what is it? (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And the guy is telling you, Sir, I don't know calculus, but I know the cross. The cross is the power of God that can deliver you from this addiction. The cross is the power of God that can heal you. The cross is the power of God that can give you hope. The cross is the power of God that can give you restoration. The cross is the power of God, and you're saying... Tell me Darwin's theory. (laughs) I will never accept the cross. Because you know what? It's foolishness. It's foolishness. But to those of us who are being served, I love it the way the Bible says says, but to those of us who are being served, We are still in the process of God making us to become who He desires us to become. The Bible says it is the power of God. So when we fought we go back to the cross. When we fell, we go back to the cross. When we are sick, we go to the cross. When we have made a mess of our life, we go back to the cross. Because we believe it is the power of God. It is the power of God. We have nothing else but the cross. They can laugh at us, but we have nothing else but the cross. They may may joke about us, but we have nothing but the cross. Bankrupt or not bankrupt, the cross. Employed or not employed, the cross. Married or not married, the cross. You know, when you cling to the cross, you can turn 55 and still not be married and say, you know what, I will cling to the cross. If God has decided he will bring a man into my life at the age of 60, so be it. I'll cling to the cross. But people can sell the cross for the sake of a child. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking things I don't know, I'm, I'm just dreaming, no, I know. People have told me, Pastor, I know what you're saying, but me, I'll get pregnant, and I'll get a child, you can suck me from church, I don't care. But me, I will. And they truly go. And truly become pregnant. And truly the pastor accepts them back. Because you're saying, hoping that one day they'll meet the power of the cross. And the pastor goes and like, you know what? The act may be sin. The act is sin. But the way you're is not seen. Keep on keeping on. We will help you to become the father in the life of the child. But cling to the cross. And then they see nobody is coming and they go, I'm going to go number two.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's why I, pre- I said the other day, I said, you know what? The number one test of a pastor, number one test of a pastor is, do you love the people you are preaching to? Because for a lot of people, this preaching is their adrenaline. (laughs) (laughs) They just want to show off. They just want to show off. They they just want to show you that they read scripture. I I want you to tell you, this means nothing. What I'm doing here means nothing. It's when you have met a person first to first, and they tell you things. They they come and tell you, just last night I had a (laughs) datare. And your past, you know, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. huh? <Another> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if she refuses me, Pastor, what do you think I was going to do? There's actually one young lady who said, she took over somebody's husband. Took over somebody's husband. Spoke to her and said, look here, This is somebody else who says, okay, tell me what wrong I have done. (laughs) Because when the guy came to have gone a little bit of just checking around and tell you the truth. But you are walking under delusion. Delusion. You remember the day I talked about delusion? Were you in church when I talked about delusion?
1: You know delusion?
0: Deluded, when you are deluded, it's when you walk here and I'm telling you, this roof is falling. I'm holding it with this tree. And he said, No, it's not falling. <laughs> it's not. So it's at that point when I'm saying, te- you, you know what? This thing will not end well. You will suffer. And like, no, 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 no. Not me. These are red flags. These are gray areas. He said, Pastor, I know this is red. I know this is green. I know this is amber. I know this is orange. And I know this is gray. But you know what, Pastor? I'm going ahead. (laughs) Deluded. (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 27. Verse 27 to 29. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. The truth of the church is that we don't choose him. He chooses us. We were one day wandering in sin, wallowing in sin. We were lost, and He found us and brought us back home. Through the cross, God chooses us. We become the chosen of God. We become the chosen generation. Why does God choose of those of us who have no name to be given a name to shame the wise that we can say, "I am the chosen generation and the royal priesthood." I'm a child of God. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. In First Corinthians 1:30 to 30 thirty-one, he says, "But of him you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God, the righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. If there is any glorification, it's in the Lord." People who are not considered bright. People who do not know calculus. People who do not know times say is what? People who do not know anything. The Bible says he takes those who are not educated and he brings them over for them to understand the power of the cross to shame the ones. of the disciples, it says, they said, oh, when they looked at them, they all marveled. And they said, ah, they have been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Even though they were uneducated, they said they have been with Jesus. And what God does is that he bypasses all the great philosophies in life and chooses the simplicity of the gospel. One of the reasons why people struggle with salvation is this, because salvation is as ABC. Accept, that you are a sinner. Romans 3.23 Believe. Jesus died for you. John 3.16 and Acts chapter 16.31 Confess him as your Lord and servant. Romans 10.9 Ephesians 2.13 And people say, "Bas." accept, believe, confess. And then you say, Saved. Accept, believe, confess. served. No, I, I, I have a PhD, and on top of PhD, I have another PhD. So I want to read volumes of books for me to see how I can be served. No, you don't need to read volumes of books. You need to accept, believe, and confess Then you're served. Simple. Made it possible for us to be served. You know what the gospel does? The gospel can choose a thief and make them righteous. The gospel can choose a prostitute and make the prostitute an ambassador of God. Go ask Rahab. Go ask the woman that met Jesus who had been caught right in the act of adultery. The gospel, the cross can make a demon-possessed man and set them free to become a deliverer. Hallelujah! So what the gospel does is that the gospel chooses you from where you are. The cross will choose you from where you are and set you apart to see the power of God to live for Christ. You may be in church today, maybe your life Has been shame, maybe your life has been disgraced. But you know what? You are about to experience the power of the cross. And the power of the cross covers every shame. The power of the cross covers every humiliation, cancels it, and it gives you glory. It gives you beautiful ashes. The cross. The cross chooses the weak to shame the mighty. You know, somebody who is not educated, but all they know is the cross, they can cast out demons. Somebody with books and volumes and volumes, with all the wisdom they have in the world, they can cast out the demon. And the demon can say, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? And they get lambasted by demons. Hallelujah. Going God through the cross, showcases this power for us in such a way that weak people do mighty things they do great things and he chooses the despised to shame the established he makes nobodies to become somebody he takes the symbol of jock; those of us who are considered the symbol of jock, he chooses us to show the somebody's that they are nothing Some, a lot of the things that we think matter in life, they don't matter. So those of you who think you are not important, I'll give you a very good example. I, because I do not know. So God forgive me because I do not know. But actually I can tell you that in the eyes of God, if Joe Biden is not a believer in Christ, you are a somebody before God, Compared to Joe Biden, if he's not a believer in Christ, because before God, Joe Biden is a nobody. Hallelujah. I've chosen deliberately Joe Biden because he is the president of the United States of America. The world's superpower. If Vladimir Putin does not know Christ, and he thinks this power of the cross is foolishness, and you believe it is the power of God. And you are in Christ before God. God has chosen you to be a somebody before him. And Vladimir Putin, to be a nobody. And remember, I put a disclaimer. I said, because I do not know whether they are in Christ or not in Christ. But I'm giving you these names because they are the ones that you look at them You go like, wow, these guys, they got it right. J Law. You know J Law? <laughs> if J Law is not in Christ, and you admire to be like J Law, actually God is wondering are you confused? <laughs> are you crazy? Because before, Rihanna is nobody before me, J Law is nothing before me. Beyoncé is nothing before me and you see say, I'm saying if they are not in Christ, I'm giving you these names because they are the ones that are well known right the other one the most beautiful man is who the other one? your favorite is the Kadawashi Kadawashwashi if Kadawashwashi
1: he is not in Christ.
0: Actually, God says, no. No matter how beautiful you are, you are nobody before me. This one that you think is from the back of beyond, this one is somebody before me. Amen. Some of you before God, you are actually the somebody's more than Oprah. If Oprah doesn't believe in Christ. Amen. Amen. And the other one who was married to Brad Pitt. Huh? Mimi, you know her. What's her name? Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying these things to the young ladies here to say sometimes the things that you think are something, actually God says they are nothing. You, they consider to be nothing. You are able to keep marriage together. The others who are considered to be something. Their husband number 29 now. <laughs> Amen? Amen? But if they are in Christ, hallelujah. Because you know what? They believe in the power of the cross. Amen. So all of this happens because of the cross. At a point in history, God intervened in the lives of men. Amen. As we begin to wind up, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. And our cruise because we need to have holy communion. In verse thing the Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. When, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, one of the things he was doing was that he was breaking the curse. Where, why am I saying so? Let's go to uh, Deuteronomy 21, verse 22 to 23. This is according to Jewish law. According to Jewish law, Deuteronomy 21, 22, 23, this is what the Bible says. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, the cross was a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree that's why Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus went to all and asked for the body of Christ because the body was not supposed to hang on the tree overnight let's carry on but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance for he who is hanged is a curse of God Amen. Amen. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he became a curse on your behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He redeemed us. He, he died on the cross to redeem us from something. What did he redeem us from? The curse of the Lord. Because if a Jew is condemned to die and is hanged on the tree, God sees that person as cursed. That's why I said for the Romans. They were looking at it as just another execution they had done in Jerusalem on that day. But for the Jews who were passing by, as they were reading, this is the king of the Jews in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. For them, there were busy shaking their heads. And they were saying, you know what? This guy is a curse. He's accursed. He's been cursed by God. So the fact that he was saying he is the savior of the world, he's a liar. The guy is a curse, the guy is an abomination, the guy is haram. And, and it was hard for the disciples to go and begin to preach and call it. We are coming to preach a haram. We are coming to preach the abomination. We are coming to preach the humiliation. We are coming to preach this. So Jesus' hand on the cross, he redeemed us from the curse of the Lord by becoming a curse for us. That's why you cannot come to the cross and still be cursed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The only reason you may be cursed is because you have agreed with the devil on something. Amen. But the moment you come to the cross, you're no longer cursed. He became a curse so that you not be cursed. He redeemed us from the curse of the Lord. What is the curse of the law? I will read it to you for you to see the curse of the law. Let's go to Deuteronomy. It's a long scripture for you to see the curse of the law. So God was telling them, if you break the law, these curses will follow you. If you obey the law, These blessings will come and overtake you. In Deuteronomy 28 verse 1, the Bible says, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Amen? Amen? So let's go to verse 15. This is what the Bible says but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes which I command you today that these curses will come upon you and overtake you so let's start now the things that Christ came to redeem us from by becoming the curse on our behalf hallelujah Number one, curse shall you be in the city and curse shall you be in the country. How many of us have disobeyed God before? Hands up, I want to see. <laughs> you have disobeyed God before. If you were living in those days and you disobeyed God, curse were you in the city? Cursed were you in the country? Number one, Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land. Your children will be cursed. Your maize in the garden will be cursed. Your soil in the garden, cursed. Your goats, you see shortly, the goats and the cows, cursed. And he says, The increase of your cattle, cursed. The offspring of your flocks, cursed. Number whatever now. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. You come in the house, cursed. You are walking out of the house, cursed. And Christ came to make sure that when you walk in the house, blessed. When you get out of the house, blessed. You go into the country, blessed. You go your cow, blessed. Some cows you have are blessed because you are blessed.
1: Amen.
0: For one reason you obey God. Hallelujah. I mean, let's start on. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion. How many of you have been confused before? You know it's not nice to be confused. So Christ hang on the tree that you and I should not be confused. Hallelujah. Others are confused when they see a girl passing by you, you just say, oh, somebody's daughter. You can't help. <laughs> somebody's confused. <laughs> he was going this way and he turns around and goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> curse guy. Curse. <laughs> H. Bear, curse. <laughs> so all those people who call you our young ladies in church, <laughs> just say, oh, you're yeah, cursed. Don't say curse. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it's case confusion and rebuke rebuke all that you set your hand to do. Okay? Until you are destroyed and you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever. How many of you have had fever before? <laughs> I think it's fever nice. No. So now imagine God says, Ah, you have disobeyed me. You will know fever. The one you know is not fever yet. This one is fever. Let's get on. It says, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, <laughs> with a sword, with swatching, and with mildew mildew I don't want because it doesn't sound nice they shall pursue you until you perish and your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze. there will not be clouds oh there will not be clouds and the earth which is under you shall be iron. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. From the heaven, he shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. So defeat, he said you will be defeated. How many of you have been defeated before? You know it's not nice to be defeated. It doesn't sound nice at all, at
1: all.
0: It doesn't sound at all nice. But this one, God says, uh-huh, you have disobeyed. I will curse you." So defeat. Let's carry on. It says you'll be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them, and you shall become troublesome. To all the kingdoms of the earth, some of these children who are troublesome are God. <laughs>
1: your
0: carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the bits of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. When they have come to eat your animals, nobody will frighten them away. You'll be saying, hey, hey! Because nobody can frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt. How many of you have had a boil before? Me, I've had them before. They are not nice. Since you have boils of Egypt, with tumors, with the scalp and with the itch. Itching? Anybody itching? Uh-huh. When, when we used to take, was it chloropin in those days? If you take chloropin for you were itching for four days. So those of us in the village were blessed because they were at least uh, I don't know what it is in English. He was in didn't know. But you used, you used it, quack, 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 itching. Itching. You know itching? From which you cannot be healed. This itching, the Bible says you cannot be healed from this itching. The Lord will strike you with madness and blind Confusion of hearts. And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall only be oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. You shall betroth a wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not gather its grapes. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkey shall be violently taken away from, uh, from before you, and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, and you shall, not, you shall have no one to rescue them. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them. All day long, and there shall be no strength in your hand. A nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor. <laughs> and you shall be only oppressed and crash continually. You will cry, if the Burundis are taking over our soil. You shall be driven mad because of the sight which your eyes see. The Lord will strike you in the knees and on the legs which severe boils, which cannot be healed, and from the sole of your foot to the top of your head, the Lord will bring you and the King whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known, and there you shall serve other gods, cows in wood and stone, and you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all the nations, where the Lord will drive you. You shall carry much seed out to out to the field, but gather little, for the locusts shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and tend them, but shall neither drink of the wine, nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olives shall drop off. You shall beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. Locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land. The alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. Even if you say lower, 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 no, you go lower. (laughs) He shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and he shall be the tail. Moreover, all these cases shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to keep His commandments and His statutes which He commanded you, and they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder and honor your descendants forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies." Whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck and he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagles. A nation whose language you will not understand. They will say Chin chang Chu. A nation of fierce countenance, who which does not respect the elderly. No show favor to the young. And they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. They shall not leave you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of your cattle or the offspring of your flocks until they have destroyed you. They shall besiege you at all your gates until your high and fortified walls, walls in which you trust come down throughout all your land. And they shall beseech you at all your gates throughout all your land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you. In the siege and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you. The sensitive and very refined man among you will be hostile toward his brother, toward the wife of his bosom. No wonder some men are hostile towards their wives. Mm case. They are chosen to disobey the Lord. Mm -hmm. Let's carry on. And toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind. So that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat. Because there is nothing left in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you at all your gates. The tender and delicate woman among you who will not venture to set the soul of her foot on the ground because of delicateness and sensitivity? Who will refuse to the husband of her bosom and to her son and to her daughter her placenta, which comes out from between her feet and her children whom she bears, for she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates if you do not carefully observe all the words of the Lord that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, He will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you Instead of clinging to the cross. Or also every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law. Will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. You shall be left few in number. Whereas you were as stars of heaven in multitude. Because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good. And multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing, and you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Then the Lord God will scatter you among all peoples, from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone, and among those nations who you shall find no rest. Nor shall the soul of your foot find have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night, and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, Oh, that it were evening. And in the evening you shall say, Oh, that it were morning because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see and the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships by the way which I say to you, you shall never see it again and there you shall be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves but no one will buy you. Hey. And Christ comes and becomes a curse takes all these things I've read so that you shouldn't walk in them. But he should walk in them. So that when you go to battle, you are not scattered, but your enemies are the ones that are scattered. So that you don't suffer dishonor. So that your wife, your husband, your children, your business, your property, your land is not taken away from you. So that you don't suffer decrease. So that you don't start a business, you work very hard, and then it's not prospering. So that you don't put your time and effort and nothing comes out of it. So that you don't make all your investments and nothing good comes out of it. It's called the curse of the law. When Jesus hung on the cross, all these curses are bred. They were put on him. He became the curse. And he was bearing all these things on the cross. You know for who? For you and me. And he says, I'll become the accursed thing so that you don't walk in these things. And when you come to him through the cross, you know what happens? You have freedom from all these things. The devil may try to bring them upon your land, but he delivers you. That's why you must never accept a curse as a normal thing in your life. Hallelujah. And that's why we are in Christ and we say, we are the chosen generation. And to make sure that this thing stays in our hearts and minds so that we know we are not cursed. And if we messed up, we can come back to him and say, Lord, help me. He says, Paul says these words in 1 Corinthians 11. 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This too, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And today, on this Easter Sunday, we remember that is risen, And we can say, there is power, there is power, there is power in the blood of the Lamb.